0: On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we look back at Maryland's weekend sweep over Iowa that propelled the Terps to the 2019 Big Ten Tournament. Plus, we will look ahead to the Big Ten Tournament and preview the Terps' first round matchup with Illinois and potential matchups in the games following that Wednesday game in Omaha. Then we'll talk to two Terps players this week, a couple of guys who thought they were redshirting or were redshirting early in their careers and now have become big pieces on this Terps team the DH, Josh McGuire, and the left fielder, Michael Panero. Here we go.
1: This is the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Here's your host, Connor Newcomb.
0: Welcome into to episode number 70 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, joined as always by Zach Solon. And Zach, I have to say we're in a pretty good mood today after the Terps finished off a sweep of the Iowa Hawkeyes at the Bob this weekend. And with those three wins and the little bit of help they needed, they got... And the Turps are headed to Omaha for the Big Ten tournament for the first time since twenty seventeen. And just what an atmosphere, what what an experience it was this weekend at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium. A place where the Turps seemingly couldn't win all season. With their backs against the wall, they get it done against a very good Iowa team. And that was just a great weekend all around. Absolutely, Connor. When I was walking over here, I told you what's hotter right now, the weather outside
2: or the Turps and Maryland's baseball team is just phenomenal. They rose to the occasion this weekend. They came in with an 8-15 home record, and their backs to the wall in the Big Ten. They were on the outside looking in. Iowa, a pretty solid team that coming into the weekend had a chance that if they swept the Terps were probably going to make the NCAA tournament. But now they find themselves pretty much on the outside of that, too, and they barely made the Big Ten tournament
0: because the Terps stepped
2: up, the bats were hot, the pitching was on point, and everything seemed to be working.
0: And they went into that Thursday night matchup knowing that that was the most important game for Maryland. We went into the weekend... Looking at it like this, if the Terps can sweep, there's a good chance they're getting into the Big Ten tournament. If the Terps can take two of three, there was more of a solid chance of getting into the Big Ten tournament. Looking on it now, if they did only win two, they still would have made it in. But it had to be a series win. You felt like a sweep wasn't necessary, but two of three was necessary. So that's why you felt like you really needed the Friday game with Hunter Parsons out there. And Hunter, in his final start at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium, was magnificent. Eight innings, two earned runs, nine hits, but he limited damage. 4Ks, two walks, and a hit batter, and he threw his most pitches, 127, in his collegiate career. And the Terps' offense on the other side broke out early. A couple of RBI singles from Taylor Wright and Michael Panero in the first inning. Two-run shot from Maxwell Costas in the third, made it 4-0 Terps. And then they got a couple more runs in the set, one in the seventh and one in the eighth. And all of a sudden, in the ballgame, it was six to two Terps going to the ninth. We thought Hunter Parsons was done. John Murphy was coming in. Instead, Parsons came back out, hit a batter on a one-two pitch to start the top of the ninth inning. It was the nine batter Weitrich. Got pulled. Turps went to Murphy. You figure that's one runner on. You're up six to two. You got your senior closer in here. He's going to get the job done. And really for the first time this year, Murphy had blown two previous saves, but they were both one-run saves. He kept it tied, only gave up the one run. Really for the first time this year, John Murphy really got hit around in a big situation. And Iowa put together a two-out rally, and it was, it was wild to watch. But the Hawkeyes got four runs somehow on that top of the ninth, and it just didn't look like the same John Murphy we'd seen all season.
2: Absolutely, Connor. After he did come in, he relieved after Parsons hit the batter, he issued a walk, and then a bunt moved him over, and then a double play that scored a run. But then there were two outs. He thought, okay, Murphy's gonna lock this one down. They still got a three-run lead, like it's pretty comfortable. We'll see how it goes. And then he gives up a couple of hits back to back to back, and next thing you know, it's it's tie game.
0: It was a tie game, and Murphy had to get a big strikeout of Mitchell Bowe with men on second and third and two down just to keep it tied to get to the bottom of the ninth, which obviously ended up being a giant strikeout. But then the Terps, for the first time in 2019, came up with a walk-off victory. And who else than the senior in the lineup would get it done? But you got to give credit to the guys at the bottom of the lineup. Josh McGuire started it against the Iowa closer Grant Leonard who was not a save situation but had 13 saves on the season had an ERA of about 1.8 and was dominant. Josh McGuire singles up the middle hits one off of Leonard and ends up reaching first. Ben Cowles gets down a good sack bunt that gets McGuire to second and then A.J. Lee comes up and on a 1-0 pitch a hanging breaking ball. He sent one over the scoreboard for a walk-off homer in his final series at the Bob in his career and what a moment that was for A.J. Lee. I mean, he was fired up, a bat flip for the centuries to give the Terps the win. But but what a great moment that was for a Terps senior in his final weekend to get that big hit and a big win for Maryland and, and the most exciting atmosphere at the Bob all season.
2: And I think that's what really kind of ignited the Terps throughout the weekend. They, you know, had a really tough game, or they were playing a really good game until it got tough in the ninth. And given how they played at home this season, you might have been thinking, oh, this is just the Terps. Like, we thought they might have had it, but they're just going to lose the game. They're going to let it slip at home. They haven't had that walk-off magic. They haven't had the late-inning rallies. But then they got it together. Maguire is single. Cows a beautiful ground out to move him over. And then A.J. Lee, a great job uh, with the home run. Bat flip of the ages, like you said, and Terps were fired up, and I think that's what got them through the rest of the weekend. Yeah,
0: It was a magical moment at the Bob. Terps' first walk-off home run since 2017. It was their first walk-off since late in the 2018 season. Nick Dunn had that walk-off RBI double against Towson late last year. Terps walked it off twice last year, but neither of them were homers. It was a walk and a double for the two walk-offs. But this year, A.J. Lee, his first career walk-off homer, is probably the biggest homer of his career to this point as it won the game for the Turps. So then they're sitting in a pretty solid scenario going into game two, and Zach Thompson took the mound for Maryland. And Hunter Parsons, you felt like you knew he was going to come and step up to the plate for Maryland and, and really be the ace that he is. And his final start at the Bob, he was going to leave everything out there. But then you go to Zach Thompson, who's had a solid season, some ups and downs, but the biggest moment he's ever pitched in coming over from the D3 level and he rose to the occasion as well. Six and two-thirds, two earned runs on six hits, seven Ks for Thompson, which was somewhat surprising against a good Iowa offense, not really a strikeout pitcher, to just three walks for the right-hander. He was very, very good in this one. And again, it was the Terps offense that exploded early. Costas had a two-run homer in the first inning. Terps put up three runs in the third inning on a three-run triple from Josh McGuire, who we'll talk to a little bit later in this podcast. And then two more in the fourth for the Terps on a Randy Bednar home run. And then Taylor Wright later came in to score on an error after he walked in the inning. And all of a sudden, for Maryland... It was a seven to one lead and you kind of feel like the Turps had it in the bag. Thompson gave up one in the fifth, one more score in the seventh, and the Turps got one in the eighth on an AJ Lee home run. He just couldn't stop hitting home runs. And it was eight to three. Mark DeLuya gave up a run in the ninth, but the final score was eight to four as the Terps won it. DeLuya was fantastic in relief as well. Two and a third, just gave up the one run on one hit, five Ks to one walk and finished out the ball game. And that was really the most complete victory of the weekend for Maryland. They got the lead. They held the lead, got good pitching, key hitting. And it was at that point, I think, Zach, watching that second game where I was like, This team is going to play its way into the Big Ten tournament. They're not going to look for help. They're not going to go two and one. You just kind of felt like the sweep was coming, and that was one of Maryland's more complete wins of the season on Saturday.
2: That was the only game of this entire series that it was all Terps all the way, and they felt it right out of the gate. Maxwell Costa starting off with that home run. That was a monster shot. He was pumped up about it. And the rest of the Terps just followed suit. The bats were going hot, and Zach Thompson – had, I'm going to say, his best start of the year. He had a couple ones where he maybe had more impressive numbers, but given the circumstances, a must-win game for the Terps. Thompson, who, remember, the team coming into this one had only won two of his starts the entire year. They backed him up. They gave him the run support he needed so he could go out there and do his thing. Striking out seven guys, you seemed a little bit surprised by it, Connor. I really wasn't because when he's locked in, he's locked in, and that's exactly what
0: Thompson showed. So the Terps went into Saturday, game three, knowing that a win would get them in, or a Northwestern loss would get them into the Big Ten Tournament, and they sent Tyler Blome to the hill for the second straight Sunday start. And you could just kind of tell from the beginning that Blome, although he was locating pretty well in the first couple of innings, didn't have the velocity, he was more in the mid-80s, didn't quite have his best stuff. Terps are hoping at the Big Ten Tournament he can kind of regain the form. He had much better stuff against Minnesota. His final line, he went three and two-thirds, allowed four runs on four hits, no strikeouts, and four walks was really the concerning part of his line. And the big blow against him, obviously, Tanner Padgett got the home run in the second to put Iowa up 1 0. And then, after the Terps took a 4 1 lead, back to back homers in the second from Panero and Justin Vogt. And then in the third for Maryland, A.J. Lee came in to score on a wild pitch. Michael Panero and RBI sack bunt made it 4 1. A three run homer in the fourth from off the bat of Tanner Wietrich on a 3 0 pitch with two down tied the game at four that was it for Blome, as he just didn't have his best stuff terps went to trevor labonte and again it was labonte who kind of shut things down out of the bullpen and long relief for the second straight week terps answered right back in the bottom of the fourth rbi single from randy bednar sack fly from taylor wright made it six to four in the fifth a sack fly from cows made it seven to four and in the seventh another sack fly from cows made it eight to four And the Terps, again, six outs away, up by four runs. They come out in the eighth inning. Labonte was rolling along out of the bullpen. Again, he comes back out in the eighth, gets a strikeout, his fifth strikeout of Zeb Adrian to start the inning. Terps are five outs away with a four-run lead. You're thinking they're going to get this sweep. And then Labonte just lost it a little bit. Single walk, single loaded the bases. Terps take Labonte out. Andrew Vail comes in, who thrives in these scenarios and has all of this freshman season. But this time, he did not come up big for the Terps, and, and we almost couldn't believe it. But Tanner Wieterts, who already had the three-run homer, comes up and somehow ties the game against Andrew Vail.
2: He hits a grand slam, and Connor, I said it on the broadcast. I was just... In all, uh, Wietrich, a great player in his own right, amazing home run, but given the situation, you thought Vale was going to come in, shut it down just like he's done. But like I said, it was last day of regular season baseball. Of course he hit a game-tying grand slam in the
0: eighth inning. Why, why wouldn't he? And the Terps, though, were able to bounce back. Yeah, they were. Andrew Vale did settle down. He gave up a single to the next batter, but got a couple of fly outs to end the inning and keep it. That was the key, just like John Murphy did on Thursday night. He let the game get tied, but he kept it there, bared down and got some big outs. Same thing with Vale. let the game get tied, although three of the runs were charged to Labonte, just the one to Vale. But he settled down, kept it tied. That's big, so you can continue to hit if you're Maryland. And Maryland does it again against Grant Leonard, the Iowa closer. He had come in in the seventh just to try and stop the bleeding, gotten two big outs to keep it at an 8-4 to four game when the Terps had a couple men on base. Leonard comes right back out. Maxwell Costas drops a single into right field after Michael Panero hit the ball hard, but he lined out. Justin Vote hit by a pitch. McGuire strikes out, and then Chris Aline at the plate. And, and kind of the big story of this, you know, Aline's been struggling since those thumb injuries to hit. He's really been in. It hasn't been like a super noticeable slump. It's not like he's got an 0 for 20 or something like that. But he's just, you know, he'll have an 0 for 4, then a 1 for 3, and, and you know, maybe he'll draw a walk one game. But the average has kind of kept creeping down since those injuries. And the big thing with him this season, it, it's been tough for him against off-speed pitches this year. He's hit the fastball really well, but the off-speed pitch is not so much. It was an off-speed pitch to Aline on the first pitch with two on and two down. Lines it into the corner in right field for a two-run double. His biggest hit of his Terps career puts the Terps right back on top. And if you kind of look at the box scores all weekend, Zach, that's what the Terps did. When Iowa had its good offensive innings and responded to tie games to get games a little bit closer, the Terps offense immediately attacked this Iowa pitching. An Iowa pitching staff that although the bullpen was a little suspect, pretty good starting rotation. Terps hit off of every single guy that came out there this weekend. Absolutely. Terps just jumped on top of it. I think that didn't
2: have to do so much with Iowa's pitchers, you know, making mistakes and whatnot, but the Terps just being so on top of everything, being so aggressive, and just, you know, doing everything they can. They were fouling off a lot of pitches, especially earlier in the first games of the series, and they just saw the pitches. They sat back on breaking balls. They attacked fastballs. That's exactly the kind of momentum you need going into the Big Ten tournament. So the Terps
0: had a 10 8 lead heading to the ninth, and of course, you go back to John Murphy, your senior closer. Doesn't matter what happened Thursday. They go back to him on Saturday he said I'm getting the ball on my senior day no matter what and he did and he did allow a leadoff double to McCleary but he struck out Zeb Adrian got Tanner Padgett to pop out who was four for four going into that at bat and then the fly out to right field off the bat of Ben Norman clinched the Big Ten tournament appearance for the Turps as they won the final game 10 to 8 and swept the series and because they swept Iowa They leapfrog Iowa in the standings, leapfrog Ohio State in the standings with a three-way tie. And at the end of the weekend, Northwestern and Rutgers, who both kind of still had a solid chance to get in, they're eliminated. It's Ohio State and the Terps who came from outside the top eight at the beginning of the weekend to make the tournament. Iowa, with this weekend, fell all the way to the eighth seed. And the Terps are the number six seed heading into the Big Ten Tournament, and of course it was such a great weekend for Maryland, and and they're one of the hottest teams in the Big Ten right now just looking at this weekend. And here's the other thing, Zach, why the sixth seed is so important. The top two teams in the Big Ten right now are a couple of teams that I don't think really anybody wants to see. And I know Michigan is scuffling a bit since they swept Maryland, but Michigan came in and hit the ball hard at the Bob. Indiana, although the Terps took game one, set the world on fire with how many home runs they hit. We don't talk about series. That. We don't talk lob. about that. <laughs> those are two teams the Terps probably didn't want to see in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. They move up to six. They avoid those two teams. And instead they face Illinois, a team they took two of three from on the road earlier this season. And you have to say, all things considered, a favorable matchup for Maryland. Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. First game of the Big Ten tournament will be the Terps and the Fighting Illini at TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha. I'm excited, Connor. I mean, I can't
2: wait to go out there. Maryland is, is bringing the fire right now, and they're taking it with them to Omaha. They're taking Plank with them to Omaha. We'll get to that later. But, you know, Maryland, I, th- I was telling you this morning, I think they, I don't want to say lucked out with their draw because they are still the the 2nd lowest seed in the top part of that bracket there. But they beat two out of three from Illinois. They've got to have the confidence over them they got to have the confidence over Ohio State because although they lost two out of three, they know they can beat them. And although they were swept by Michigan, now the Terps are back out on the road
0: where they've done some of their best work this year, and that could be a real difference maker in this. Yeah, so the Terps will take on Illinois, the three versus six matchup in that first game. And you have to think it will be Hunter Parsons going for Maryland, and Andy Fisher, the left-hander, will most likely go for the Illini Of course, these two teams met all the way back in early April, the 5th through the 7th. That series was played in Champaign. Terps took the first game. Parsons and Fisher were both dominant in that game. They both had great starts. Hunter Parsons went eight innings, allowing just two runs on six hits, two Ks and three walks. Gave up a couple of runs in the second, but after that was dominant. Andy Fisher, on the other hand, went eight scoreless in that game. Came back out in the ninth inning, if you remember, with his team leading 2-0. And the Turps offense, which had been quiet all day in that ball game, finally started to hit. A.J. Lee singled. Randy Bednar doubled. Taylor Wright got an RBI sack bunt down to make it 2-1 with a man on third and one away. Then Fisher came out of the game. Garrett Acton came in, who at the time of that was 10-for-10, 10 10, perfect on save opportunities on the season. He then hit Maxwell Costas. Caleb Walls got a sack bunt down for an RBI. Justin Vote walked, and then with Josh McGuire at the plate and the bases loaded and one away. Pitch in the dirt to him on a 1-2 count got away from the catcher, Jeff Cordy. And not only did Michael Panero, the pinch runner, come in to score, but Caleb Walls scored all the way from second to give the Terps a 4-2 lead. And then John Murphy came in and shut it down in the ninth. And the Terps somehow, someway way won that first game against Andy Fisher. So although Fisher was good, he's a left-hander who had really good stuff, a really good breaking ball, and the Terps left-handers really struggled against Fisher. Josh McGuire, just to go through the lefties in the lineup in that game, Josh McGuire had an 0 for 3 with a couple of strikeouts. Caleb Walls had an 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. Taylor Wright had an 0 for 3 against Fisher, did have an RBI, though. And then Chris Allen at that time was hitting exclusively from the left side, also, had no for three with a strikeout. So, Fisher really good against the lefties. Turp's lineup right now is pretty left handed heavy. They have four lefties in there. So, it could be a tough matchup. But although Fisher was good against them last time, Zach, Maryland found a way to win that game. They did. And while it was a bit of
2: a wild situation over there, Turp's capitalizing on a lot of base running opportunities. I'm expecting a pitcher's duel from this game, especially if it is uh, Fisher and Parsons. But you have to keep in mind that you know these two teams were pushing for the postseason. Illinois had clinched before the weekend, but we're still fighting for a higher seed. But Maryland was fighting to get in. Hunter Parsons, like you said, 127 pitches on Thursday. So he'll be on full rest come uh, Wednesday. But it's going to be tough. I think it's going to come down to whichever uh, team can strike first with scoring. And you know the Terps would love to have a comeback victory again. But that's uh, been tough for them a lot of this year. And they're going to have to bounce back against Illinois. And
0: their offense lately has been striking first. Again, the rest of that Illinois series in April – uh, the Fighting Illini won the second game five to one, and the Terps came back and won it eight to four in game number three to clinch the series. Had a big four-run third inning. Randy Bednar hit a three-run homer. Maxwell Costas hit a three-run homer in the seventh. Terps scored four in the third, four in the seventh. That was all they need. Sean Fisher had an amazing relief outing, his best of the year. Went two and two-thirds scoreless with a couple of Ks. No hits, no walks. Retired every batter he faced to finish off that game and get the final eight outs to secure a Terps win. So that was a big series for Maryland and what will be a favorable matchup again at 10 a.m. And then if the Terps do get the victory there, we 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 can really only give you what happens Wednesday and then when they would play Thursday after that. You never know sometimes with rain in Omaha, with games running too long, and then with going into the loser's bracket. But what we do know is what will happen the first two games for Maryland. And they're guaranteed at least two games in a double elimination Mm -hmm. bracket in Omaha. So they'll take on the Illini at 10 a.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Central time, on Wednesday the 22nd. And then... If the Terps win, they will play on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. They will play the winner of the 2-7 matchup between Michigan and Ohio State. Obviously two teams that took series at the Bob. Michigan came in and crushed the Terps in three games. Ohio State came in, and the Terps really should have won the first two games, kind of blew their chance to win in the second game, and then lost the third one after dominating Ohio State in game number one. So probably they're going to be cheering for the Buckeyes if they win. If the Terps lose that game to Illinois, they will again, I believe, play the morning game the next day. It will be the 10 a.m. game again the next day, and they will take on the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game, and that would be an elimination game for the Terps. The loser would be out with the double elimination bracket, but you have to say the Terps, I think, you can say lucked out, but then again, they did it. They swept Iowa. They got themselves up to six. They earned the right to play an Illinois team that, listen, might be the highest-seeded team in the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament. I would say right now maybe have the best chance to host a regional in the Big Ten. Indiana would probably be second, but they don't have a super great chance. Illinois has the best RPI in the Big Ten. But, frankly, the Turfs have played the best against Illinois out of any of these top teams. So a good matchup, and obviously it'll be fun. TD Ameritrade Park, just for the Turfs to be back there, You'll be there with the Terps Wednesday and Thursday. I'll be joining the team Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening after I graduate here in College Park on Thursday. Hopefully I get to call a bunch of baseball over the weekend. But a big thing to look at, Zach, I know the Terps have only been in the Big Ten since 2015. They have made now four of the five tournaments, three of the four previous tournaments before this year, missed it for the first time last year. Maryland has the best winning percentage in Big Ten tournament history. They've had a lot of success when they've gone to the Big Ten tournament. And you look at this team right now, the way they're hitting and the way the pitching is coming back together, they've got a shot to make a little bit of a Cinderella run in this one.
2: This is the first one under head coach Rob Vaughn. I know he's uh, you know had some experience in the tournament previously as, as an assistant, but now he's, under, he's got full control. He's got a great coaching staff behind him, Matt Swope, Corey Muscare, Anthony Papio all Up there with him, and he's got a really talented squad here. I think Maryland has showed their talent throughout the season. And if it showed last weekend, they're working better as a team. And that's what you need going into tournament play. You need every single gear to be turning, everyone to be on the same page. The Terps proved that they were doing so this past week against Iowa. So if that carries into the tournament, Terps could do some
0: damage. Yeah, and a guy they're going to need to continue to produce is a guy who's been so, so good in Big Ten play. And that's the redshirt freshman Michael Panero, who has played some different positions this year. He now is seemingly locked in as the Terps left fielder as they head to Omaha position. He really didn't play that much until about a couple of weeks ago, but he's learning it on the fly and doing well. And we caught up with... Michael Panero this week to talk about, you know, what he went through as a redshirt player last year, what his transition right into the lineup this year has been and learning all these d- different defensive positions, and then what he's been doing at the plate. You know, it's not always pretty, it's not always flashy, but he's been getting the job done a lot this year. So, here's my conversation with Turp's redshirt freshman left fielder now, Michael Panero. 1 0. Panero cranks one into right field. Will is back on it, and that thing's off the wall. Wright scores. Bednar scores. Panero into second with a two RBI double. Throw gets away. Panero's going to get up thinking about third, but he'll stay at second. But his two run double ties this game at two in the top of the sixth. First pitch. Panero skies one center field pretty deep. Norman racing back at the track at the wall. It's gone. Michael Panero on the first pitch goes deep to left-center and he ties the game at 1 in the second. We are joined by Michael Panero on this week's episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast and Mike, thanks a lot for taking some time out of your week before the Terps head to Omaha to come on the podcast. Absolutely, thanks for having me. So you know, I want to get to a lot of things with with your short, but it's been an eventful career for you so far at Maryland. But I kind of want to start with what's gone on with you lately for the Terps. And you've moved around defensively a lot this season. There was a stretch where you were DHing um, for a good amount of the season, but early you played some right field, you played some first base, and now you're in left. So, so overall, I know you really came in as more of a first baseman. What's that transition to the outfield kind of been like for you?
1: um not bad you know um it doesn't really matter to me like where i play as long as i'm in the lineup and basically yeah i came in as a first baseman so all of last year my retro year i was practicing at first base preparing myself to play first base this year and ended up um i started off the season at first base and i I was comfortable over there and um just being in and out of the lineup um Really, my opportunity came, like, um, probably like a third into the season. He was like, "You can you play some outfield? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really – playing outfield, playing first base, you know, I'm comfortable with both. In high school, I played outfield only. It's kind of weird. So,
0: <clears throat> yeah, just
1: – yeah.
0: So, you you're transitioned from – First to outfield and back, and, and you've gone from right to left now. As, as That seems like that's going to be your position, you know, left field. Um, have you heard from any of the guys? I know not a lot of the guys on the team have been to Omaha, but uh, some of the bigger gaps you're going to see in college baseball yeah. in left field. Yeah, um, have you, Bubba, and Randy talked about that at all, just how much how much area you guys are going to have to cover out there starting Wednesday?
2: No,
1: we haven't really talked about it, but, I mean, we're, we're just going to have to communicate really well and just – Not be afraid to go after anything and really try and you know like make plays out there and you know it's going to be a fun fun week and we're
0: excited about it so i kind of want to go back to how you got to maryland because people are going to see that you're from california and know that although in the past the terps have had a couple of guys from the west coast it's obviously not where maryland baseball is recruiting all of its players from so to, to give the story of kind of how a kid from California ends up in Maryland, how how did that really all transpire when you were in high school? So
1: it was my sophomore year summer, and um, the travel ball team I play for, SGV Arsenal, um, they do a year trip for the sophomores, and we go to Davenport Field, get to play at uh, University of Virginia. And, um, yeah, basically playing a tournament there, and I did really well and coach Chef was there and he saw the entire weekend he was at every game and um yeah he reached out to my coaches and <clears throat> told me to give him a call so I gave him a call he was actually recruiting some of my other teammates on the team as well and uh yeah he just I reached out to him and talked to him for a little bit and he said he was uh really interested in me and basically after a f- couple couple com- phone calls he uh, he offered me a scholarship and you know, I was, I was still kind of early in my high school career, and I, you know, I didn't really – I wanted to stay on the West Coast and for, to play college ball. So I was a little skeptical about it, but
0: in the end it worked out. So when did you end up committing? That's got to be quite a leap, as, as you said, to be a sophomore in high school. And you've got, you know, Division One Power Conference offer, but you've got to travel across the country to go to it. So when did you kind of come to the, the decision that despite – going all the way across to Maryland, that was what you wanted to do with your college career?
1: So it was like, after he was, I mean, we he would call me like every week and we were talking for about two, three months. And um, I didn't want to commit too early. You know, I want to keep my options like open because I really wanted to stay on the West Coast. But <clears throat> he called me and he was like, hey man, like I put the offer on the table and you know, you got, you kind of got to make your decision like here pretty soon so we can like make further moves and i was like all right and i talked to my dad and he was like you know it's a great opportunity you know you're good scholarship it's a great academic school and it's a good baseball school as well like at the time they were doing pretty well and i was like yeah you know what you know, i'm i'm okay with it i didn't even abs- actually i didn't even take a visit to the school i just i was like you know what i'm going to do it so yeah i ended up committing my um it was like early junior year. Uh
0: did that worry you at all that you hadn't taken a visit to Maryland uh once you had committed already?
1: Um actually yeah, I was a little I was <laughs> I was a little scared. I was like I hope I like the campus, but I mean, I took a virtual tour on online, so I was like, yeah, you know, it doesn't look that bad. I knew that I knew the weather is going to be cold and in the season that we play, it's going to be tough, but I'm glad I'm here.
0: Uh, how has the adjustment gone for you? This this is not baseball wise. This is strictly living in Maryland versus living in California wise. <laughs> Weather, just somewhat of a different culture. Sometimes, how how has that gone for you in your two years now?
1: Um, last year was actually probably the worst because you know living in California where I live, it's Southern California. Like it's 75 and sunny all year round, and especially during the summer. Like you, I I've always played baseball. Um, in really nice weather, you know, I've never had to deal with rain like every once in a while, but nothing crazy. And then coming out here, it was it was quite the change. A lot of how to get a lot of jackets, a lot of long sleeves, was not prepared at all for uh, the weather.
0: Um, what's going through your mind last year? You're in the dugout. Terps are playing Army in February in College Park and uh, we're worried it's going to snow uh, while we're trying to play a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's when I like, it really hit
1: me like, wow, this, I'm going to be playing this for the next couple of years. But, you know, it's cold, man. I, especially uh, sitting in the dugout, I was like, man, I kind of got to prepare, you know, I was wearing like two pairs of leggings. Um, I was wearing my long sleeves, my base layer, my jacket, my parka, and I was still cold. So, um, it was, it was different.
0: Has it uh at least this year, as compared to last year, you've played played in some cold weather? I know, but uh, has it made it a little easier when you're out on the field and it's uh 35 degrees instead of just in the dugout?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, when you're playing, you know, you got you got your blood flowing and everything, but when you're when you're in the dugout, you gotta do anything you can, stay warm, try and get uh, get under the heaters, wear as many layers as possible. But when you're playing, you're moving around and uh sweating quite a bit, so it's not that bad. <laughs>
0: Uh, so take me through last year, obviously, you know, you ended up redshirting in your first year mm-hmm. on campus and, and at first base and in the outfield, the Terps did have a, a lot of options above you last year. And, you know, at what point last year, did you know you were redshirting? Was that ever told straight up to you or just kind of something that transpired over the year?
1: Um, it kind of, it kind of happened, um or actually I went into Coach Vaughn's office and we had a talk um, the w- the week of when Big Ten play started. So he basically told me that he believes that the best option for me would, would be to redshirt and I was like, okay, um, I was just, I was like, I was a little, I was disappointed, but I kind of knew it was gonna happen because I hadn't played all the first half of the whole year. So. I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna talk to my parents, see what I wanna do and basically he told me if I don't redshirt I, I can play, but he I can't promise any playing time. So I was like, All right. And um I ended up talking to my parents and I met back up with him and I was like, Yeah, you know, um I feel like the best best option for me is to redshirt and um I get a whole another year of eligibility.
0: Right, and and after last year then the Turps lost a, a solid amount of of starters, a solid amount of players from the team and, and you come into fall ball knowing there's a shot for you. And, and especially, you know, it ended up being first base was open and a couple outfield spots were open going into fall ball. So at what point, you know, during fall practice or maybe in the spring, you know, did you know, or were you told like, Hey, I'm in a real battle and, and I can win a starting position here after red shirting.
1: Um, as soon as I stepped on campus this past, uh, and during fall, I knew that I had an opportunity. So, really all i had to do was just show them what i can do and um have a good fall and whatever they want to do with me i get whatever happens happens you know i, I just got to give myself an opportunity and
0: um yeah and so you you go through fall and, and you come in in the spring and as you talked about you know you're you're playing first base for the Turps and then you moved out to right field and you're and you're playing some left field and you know looking back This time, last year, the Terps season had just ended. You had gone through a redshirt season. Even a little bit before that, you know, late in the year, you're going through your whole redshirt year. Did you still feel like, you know, even as early as as opening day 2019, you could be on the field as a Terp or or just the redshirting and the talk you have with Vaughn, did that put any doubt in your mind, like, you know, maybe, you know, the playing time at Maryland may never come?
1: Um, No, because, I mean, when I talked to him, he was really optimistic about me and um uh, even even last year, um I made uh, a lot of improvements. Uh, I came in. I wasn't really doing that well during the fall. and once we had that talk, even um during season, I was I felt I was improving and he told me that he uh he he noticed it as well and he gave me he basically told me he was we he thought that um I could be a big big part of this team this year. And so I was like, yeah, man, I agree
0: 100%. And so you come into this year, you get some starts, and the Turps come back for another very, very cold series against Maine in February, um, and your parents made the trip out. You had a home run in the first game with them in attendance. What was that like to have them come across the coast to see you play and, and go yard for your first career homer? Um, it was something special, I'll tell you.
1: Really because they hadn't seen me play um, in a couple years, um, last time they saw me play was my senior year um, and when I went to summer ball they weren't able to go there because I was playing in Canada and um, it was just it was too much for them to get out there and watch me play with their work and everything but the, they got to come out for the, the home opener series and um, luckily I uh, hit a home run it was pretty special that they're there for my first one in my career
0: and it was awesome. And now, summer ball in Canada was that this past summer, or was that after senior year of high school? Uh, that was this past summer. So you go from California to redshirting a year in Maryland, and now you go to summer ball in Canada. What was that experience like over the summer?
1: Um, yeah, Coach Vaughn told me um, during my freshman year. He's like, "Yeah, so um, actually, um, he was like, I got you a, a team to play with back in California." I was like, "Oh, it's cool! Like, where at?" He goes, um, it's in Kelowna, and I was like, Kelowna, I don't really know where that is, and, he, and he's like, oh, oh, Taylor Wright, because that's where he played the, the the previous summer, and he was like, Taylor Wright <clears throat> played there, so he asked Taylor, he goes, hey, where's Kelowna at in California, and Taylor goes, um, it's in Canada, <laughs> so he looks at me, and goes, well, you're going to Canada for the summer, and I was like, alright, man, let's do it, I was pretty, um, I was a little nervous, you know, playing ball in Canada is a little different, but um, it was an awesome experience. I had a really good time out there. Um, the baseball was great, the fans were great, and the whole entire program was great as well. So
0: Coach Fallon accidentally sent you to Canada this summer? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Did you at least uh, ask Taylor Wright about about what there was to do all summer in Canada besides play baseball? Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: I'm glad I got to go out there with him, you know, have a teammate out there so I wasn't by myself. But, um, yeah, no, it's a great atmosphere. We were playing baseball every day and just hanging out, doing summer things like cliff jumping and, um, you know, going to pools and just staying in hotels, doing the whole baseball thing.
0: And so – this year, after you get back from Canada, obviously we, we've talked about you making your way into the starting lineup, and and you know you played different positions, and there was kind of a stretch in the middle of the season, um, end of non-conference play, beginning of conference play, when you kind of fell back out of the lineup, but got a chance again in conference play, and at one point a couple weeks ago, you were hitting 370 in Big Ten play, and I believe that number's still over 300 in Big Ten play, so what switch kind of flipped for you since the conference season started that you've just been an on-base machine the last couple of weeks helping out the terps
1: um yeah like i like i told you before um we were working with uh i was working with coach swope on some things with my swing and really like i it was just something mechanically that was wrong and because i mean i have usually have a pretty good approach and we switched some things up, and really that only that just allowed me to see better pitches, um, have better at bats, and um, get some production going.
0: And now, as you guys head to Omaha this week for the Big Ten tournament, and trying to play for these seniors, keep your guys' season alive every single day. You'll start it off with with Illinois on Wednesday. Do you, do you ever, at this point, you know, especially lately, when you know your names in the lineup every single day, you're going to be probably hitting fifth for the Terps and playing left field. Do you ever at this point when you know you're going to be in the lineup, do you ever think back to last year a little bit and just be like, wow, you know, at this time last year I knew I was going to be on the bench every single day or wasn't going to be traveling with, with the team and, and look at it like that, like, wow, I've, I've come this far in a year and now I'm, you know, a starting player on this Terps team that's having a lot of success lately.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think about it, but um, I try not to focus on it. I try to use it as kind of like a chip on my shoulder and go out there every day like I'm like, I am playing for a starting spot, and um, that that helps me out a lot, just how I'm having the confidence that I can do it, knowing that um, I can play on this team and be uh, a part of it.
0: And obviously after this sweep of Iowa over the weekend, you guys did what you needed to do, win all three games and get to the Big Ten tournament, and you guys really responded. And this season playing at home has been a little tough for you guys. It was a losing record at home coming into the weekend – on the season but got the three wins over a good Iowa team and it seems like this team is playing together and playing pretty loose and and this weekend against the guys I mean the, the hitting seemingly never stopped what What was the atmosphere like in that dugout you guys seem to be playing with all the confidence in the world
1: yeah I mean it was it was great our team we're it's 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 a special team you know we have a lot of personality on the team I think that's what's like what's really ha- what really has us playing so well and we're playing loose having fun and um you know we're really the seniors are leading us right now and ultimately that just trickles down like we want to play for us the young guys want to play for the seniors the seniors want to keep playing and they just lead us and it's awesome
0: and so you guys go forward into the big 10 tournament and i know there were a couple rough patches different series this year where you guys lost some games you know you think about the michigan and indiana series where some teams came in and 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 really just outgun you guys sometimes. But at this point, after such a good series against a good team in Iowa, you know, the conference tournaments sometimes can be crazy. Do you guys feel like you have a shot at winning this thing and just keeping this season rolling?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we have the confidence right now, and I think this past series was really big for us, you know, going into the tournament. And I've heard that the tournament's all about um, who's playing the hottest, and right now the Terps are hot.
0: Well, Michael, thanks so much for joining us this week on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, and and good luck in Omaha this upcoming week. And first of all, against Illinois on a little Wednesday morning baseball, get up, eat some breakfast, mm-hmm. and and right to the field against the Illini.
1: Awesome, thank you, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: Our thanks again to Terps Redshirt freshman left fielder Michael Panero for joining us on the podcast this week, and Zach. Michael Panero's been maybe one of the biggest pleasant surprises for this Turps team this year. He's hitting right around two fifty, but he's right around three hundred in Big Ten play, had some key hits this year, hit a home run in game three against Iowa that tied the game up early. He's had some big hits, made some good defensive plays, had to play first base, right field, left field. He's D H'd a good amount, so he's been around the diamond and after redshirting, and then coming into this year, maybe not knowing if you were going to play much, even though you wouldn't be a redshirt anymore, it's got to be great for a guy like Panero, who is into this Terps lineup. He's going to Omaha in the Big Ten Tournament as the starting left fielder and the number five hitter for the Terps. After not seeing the field all of 2018, it's it's a pretty good story for him.
2: Absolutely, and he's been contributing in a lot of ways. He's got the power with a couple of home runs this year. He plays excellent small ball running the bases and, and getting out a couple of crucial bunts that he's had for the Terps moving runners over, setting up situations throughout these past couple of weeks in Big Ten play, and he kind of started in the starting lineup to begin the year, then didn't play for a couple of weeks, and then has found his way back into it, and he's really been contributing. He's a great competitor out there, and I think he could do a really good job in the Big Ten tournament and the rest of the way here at Maryland.
0: Yeah, the Terps are going to need him not only offensively, but defensively at TD Ameritrade Park. Some of the biggest gaps the Terps are going to see, a big stadium there, and it's really tough to play the outfield there. And a guy like Panero, who's still really learning the outfield position and especially still really kind of learning left field, it's going to be a key test for him in the Big Ten tournament. And they will have Aline covering a lot of space in center, Bednar a lot of space in right, and we'll see what Panero is tasked with in left field. But so far, so good for him in left field in about the five or six games he's played out there as a starter. And, you know, speaking of red shirts, Another guy who isn't a redshirt now, but we thought might be about halfway through the year, is Josh McGuire. He didn't play at all in non-conference play, didn't travel on any of the trips for the Terps, and it pretty much looked like from the outside that McGuire was probably going to be a redshirt this year, similar to what Panero did last year, and then try and come in and make a difference in 2020. But in those blowout games against the Hoosiers, Rob Vaughn decided to give McGuire a chance, Uh, When the Turps were down by about a million runs. And he ended up hitting a homer in that series. And then he hit a couple more homers. And then he started some more games at the DH. And now all of a sudden down the stretch, it looks like he's going to be the starting DH as the Turps go to Omaha. He's had some really key hits, had that big three run triple over the weekend against Iowa, had a double in a key situation against the Hawkeyes. And you know he's been a key piece of this Terps team in Big Ten play and we're also able to catch up with Josh McGuire this week two players on the pod this week as we get set for the Big Ten tournament so here's my conversation with Terps freshman DH Josh McGuire 3-1 is hit out to right field pretty high in the air Richardson racing back towards the warning track towards the wall he leaps and that ball is gone Josh McGuire, his first college hit, is a solo homer. And it's down 19 to 4 in the ninth. And this may be a game to forget for a lot of people, but McGuire is going to always remember that moment right there. Left-hander sets again. Bases loaded, two down. 1-1. McGuire lines one, right center field, over is Adrian and falls in front of him, gets by him, all the way to the wall. Wright scores, Custis scores, Vote getting the wave, McGuire to third, a three RBI triple for the freshman, and the Terps lead it 5-1. to one. And we're joined this week on the podcast by Terps freshman Josh McGuire. Josh, thanks for taking some time to be on the pod before you guys head out to Omaha.
3: Yeah, uh, thank you for having me, I'm really excited to do this.
0: So, uh, obviously, yesterday you uh, came up to me and and wanted to be on the pod, and and it worked out because I wanted to get you on the pod at some point this season, wanted to get all the starters on before the season ended, so we got you on here, but that's where I want to start, being now one of the starters in this Terps offense and and coming up in big spots and especially over the weekend, the big three-run triple. You had a big double to the wall that kind of sparked one of the Terps rallies, and um you know when people look at your batting average they might see 220 and and they might feel like this is a guy we got to attack at the bottom of the lineup but you've come up with some big hits this season and you've even been at the plate in some big spots the wild pitch against illinois yeah. where two runs scored so do you kind of feel that as well, that you've come up in a lot of big scenarios this year, even in just playing half a season?
3: Um, you know, I, I think there have been situations where we really need to get some runs across or extend the inning, and I've been at the plate or involved in the game in some way and have been able to produce. But really, you know, Coach Vaughn always says, just don't let the moment get too big. So I've kind of just been treating every moment like the same and trying kind to of put together the best that I can.
0: And, and one of the big moments I didn't even – Mention bottom of the ninth inning on Thursday. You come up to lead off the inning, and and you know that it's you and then and then Ben, and then you get it to the top of the Terps order, which has, everybody's been hitting up there. So I know Rob said after the game, you know, let the guy behind you be the hero. Was that kind of your, your thought in that at-bat, I'm just going to get on base anyway again?
3: Yeah, I mean, when I got the at-bat, you know, I was just sit- uh, sitting looking to get a good pitch, got one. I wasn't really trying to do too much. I just hit it hard and hope it falls, and then got up up the middle off the pitcher's leg. So that was really really excited to do that.
0: So it's been – a good half season for you since you kind of got your way into the lineup in big 10 play. But I want to go back to high school and recruiting process. And obviously you're not too, too far away from college park, maybe uh, a couple hours. Yeah. North about
3: an hour and a half or so
0: in Delaware. So, you know, when did Maryland come into the picture for you and when did you kind of make the decision to come to college park?
3: Um, it was the summer going into my junior year. Um, and I was at just perfect game down in Lake Point And, I That was when I really started to get a lot of offers from different schools. And it was one g- one time after a game where I had performed pretty well. It had a lot of hustle plays and a double at the end of the game. And one of the, my coaches texted me, hey, call the head coach from Maryland. talk to him. And then uh, Coach Vaughn really recruited me a lot. I got to know him pretty well. And this place really just drew my attention. And I, I came to visit and fell in love with it.
0: So when – you know when did you take that visit and then when you know in your high school career did you make the official decision?
3: Well, I actually came here once with my dad and then again with my mom cause my mom had to work and couldn't make it so I came here twice actually just to make sure you know this is the place I really want to be and then probably I think two weeks or so before I started my junior year of high school I decided to commit here and I think it was the best place that I could be at
0: and you and you talked about Rob Vaughn doing most of the recruiting obviously when the Terps first contacted you it was still John Sheff's team and and he left to go to Virginia Tech but as you said with Rob doing most of the recruiting there uh, was there ever a, a decision even though the head coaching change was made to to maybe you know, rethink your recruiting, or because Rob did most of it, he got the head coaching job and, and you were committed to
3: Maryland. Well, you know, after Coach Vaughn, I got the job. I knew I was staying here. There wasn't really any up for debate. This is where I wanted to be, and Coach Vaughn recruited me the most. So I knew, like, he knew what kind of player I was, and he knew what I could do. So I felt very comfortable with him getting the head coaching job.
0: And and were there any other schools involved that, that you liked and, and what kind of put Maryland over the top besides, you know, what, what you heard from Coach Vaughn?
3: Well, you know, um, JMU – Kentucky or some other really good schools I had uh interest from but I just think this place was the right distance away from home where I could, my family could come still see me play and that was a big part of it and I just felt like I could make the biggest impact on this program as soon as possible
0: so you get to Maryland in the fall and you know what we heard at least me and 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 Taylor and some members in the media heard about you was this guy can hit. We don't know if we can play him in the field anywhere at the moment, and we're going to try to get him in at second base, but we know he can hit and his bat's going to play at the college level. So so coming into fall ball, you know, where where did you think you kind of fell into the conversation? Because you knew coming in, the left side of the infield, there's no touch in that, yeah, Taylor definitely. Wright and A.J. Lee. So of where did you feel you fell? you fit in on this team during fall ball, trying to get yourself some at-bats in the spring? Well, I mean,
3: during fall ball, I knew I had a lot of work to do on defense, and I got to the field early and got a lot of extra reps. And, I think I've grown tremendously as a defensive player. But, I mean, at the end of the day, hitting is going to be my bread and butter. So, in the first scrimmage we had in the fall, I was in the DH spot, and – I think I got a little nervous and I have too great of a game, but just getting the at-bats and knowing what it's like to be in a college game, I think really helped me grow mentally because I know this game's hard, so I just got to keep working at it and be prepared for whenever my name got called.
0: So it comes to the spring and and the season starts and the Terps have Tommy Gardner starting the year at second. Um, ben Cowles kind of gets in there eventually. Yep. And then Maxwell Costas is, is DHing for yeah. Maryland and – And throughout non-conference play, you didn't see the field, didn't travel with the team. And, you know, was there conversations with Coach Vaughn or, or, you know, your thoughts that at that point, did you think, like, this might be a redshirt year for me?
3: Well, yeah, I think it was after the Stetson series, I uh, just texted Coach Vaughn, hey, Coach, can we meet up? And... I just said, you know, like, what's the plan for me? Do you think I'm going to have the red shirt this season? And he basically just told me what I needed to do to get myself in the lineup. And I just spent weekends in the shell hitting and hitting and hitting, trying to improve and get ready. And then right before a Big Ten play, Coach Vaughn pulled me inside and said I made the 27-man roster. So, you know, that felt really great. But I've kind of just been taking small achievements all this year. So first it was getting on the roster, then it was getting in the lineup, and then staying in the lineup. So, really, I've just kind of been taking it, you know, step by step and doing the best I can with everything.
0: And, obviously, you wanted to be on that 27-man, or it's a little bigger, but the travel roster mm-hmm. in in the non-conference games. Yeah. But, but you didn't get to travel with the team. So, what kind of – advantages maybe did that give you you know being back here with some of the guys who are rehabbing injuries other guys who who aren't traveling you know how did you guys put in work over those weekends when you weren't with the team?
3: Well really it's like credit to Tavin Shahidi you know him and I spent hours every single day hitting and doing defense stuff and just improving my game all around and I kind of just learned a lot from just talking with him about the game and trying different things and it just Really kind of humbled me because I had never not been in the lineup and stuff like that. So this just kind of opened my eyes and went, showed me like how hard I have to work and what a blessing it is just to be here.
0: So you get on the 27 man roster to start Big Ten play against Indiana and, and you don't get the start, but obviously the Hoosiers were all over you guys in those last couple of games, yeah. but you come up in that Saturday game off the bench, pinch hitting for your first at bat. Uh, what, what were the nerves like in that moment, despite it being a, a Fourteen run game, I think at that point.
3: Yeah, you know, I don't really think it was much as nerves going through me. I just think I was really happy to get that first AB and just, you know, actually get into a college game. So I, just, it was really a ha- great moment for me, and you know, I didn't get a hit, but it was just great to get in the lineup.
0: And then the next day, same situation, and and the first hit is a homer at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium. What was yeah, that like?
3: That was something I'll never forget, and honestly, it was. It felt like a dream because that's it's what you, it's what everyone thinks about and everyone wants to do. So the fact that I did it was just really amazing.
0: And and that kind of came you know in a sweet spot for you because at that point the Terps had started transitioning Maxwell Costas to playing first base so they mm-hmm. could kind of lock down that position. Uh, Michael Panera, who's now back in the lineup, had kind of gone into the outfield and was a little in and out of the lineup. So yeah. the Terps were really trying to find just somebody at DH who could who could get on base. And I think Rob Vaughn basically said, let's go with the hot bat. Josh hit a home run. So you got that start in the midweek. Yeah. And, you know, does that do you feel like that kind of propelled you that – all right, if I'm going to stay in the lineup and I can just keep having productive at-bats and have some quabs up there that you can at least keep your name in the mix for that DH spot.
3: Yeah, you know, I think that was definitely a turning point, really. But in my mind, I think it was one of the William & Mary games when they came to Bob Turtlesmith. Where, yeah, I had a home run, but I also had, like, an opposite field base hit that scored an RBI. So I think that was just, like, the first sign of maturing for me that, you know, I can really handle this spot and help the team win.
0: So that happens, the home run against Indiana, and you get in the lineup a little more. But, you know, there was still some in and out, and and you went maybe a week or two out of the lineup. But now, back in this weekend against iowa really seemingly for good against minnesota a little bit now against iowa and and you had a big weekend we talked about the leadoff single in the ninth to you know start the rally which ended with the walk-off homer for aj lee and you get the big three-run triple so now do you feel like at this point you know you you almost know your lineup your name's going to be in the lineup every day but you know if anybody else gets hot, it could be anybody. So do you, do you still feel like you're working just as hard even though you're in that starting spot?
3: Oh well, yeah, you know, my work ethic's not going to change based off success. You know, I had a good week, but that week can also turn into an over six the next time. So I'm just going to keep working harder and harder and make sure no one can outwork me.
0: And you'll get to play in Omaha this week in the Big Ten Tournament at T.G. Ameritrade Park. And And we know it's not the College World Series quite yet, but just to get to play in that ballpark as a freshman, you know, how excited are you for that experience? Oh,
3: I'm just completely ecstatic for it. You know, as when I was younger watching the College World Series, you see all the great players and great teams play in that park. So just to be there, it's amazing. But, you know, set aside from the park, we're going there to win a Big Ten tournament. So we're focused and ready to go.
0: And. And that park, a lot of big gaps, uh, some gappers, some doubles, maybe some triples. You've got a couple triples this year. and, And we talked about this the other day, you know, I don't know why this was my thought on you, but I, on the broadcast multiple times, called you a below-average runner, and you were not too happy with that, so give me your grade on your speed on the base pass.
3: Well, on um, the base pass, I consider myself a one runner That's what the team called me in the fall, because I can get down the line pretty good. Now, I understand what well, you think. I might not have great speed, because I made some bad reads on the base pass, obviously stealing bases, but... I can tell you, I'm a plus runner. I can get around the bases pretty fast.
0: So from now on, you are officially a plus runner on the base pass, and and a threat to go and and take the extra base. And then I also want to talk about something that probably won't come into play this year, unless you know some unforeseen injuries happen. But but could down the road in your Terps career, I'm sure you know, it'd be great to be a four-year DH, but there's going to come a time where you're going to need to play the field to get in the lineup as well. So where do you feel like you've grown defensively? I know you talked about it a little bit. And and do you think next year with, obviously, A.J. Lee and Taylor right, gone, there's going to be some infield positions open. And do you feel like you'll be in a position to to win a defensive starting position as well next year?
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Those guys are leaving, so someone's going to have to fill them in. And I'm going to just work my tail off to try to get in one of those positions so I can play both sides of the game. And, you know, this summer I'll be in Connecticut with the Mystic Sooners. So I'm just going to try to improve as much as I can on defense and just keep doing my thing on offense.
0: And so you guys will face Illinois – on Wednesday, in the first game of the Big Ten tournament. And it'll be Andy Fisher, a lefty who gave you a little bit of trouble last time you faced him in that series in champagne do you think it helps you guys a little bit you have a pretty lefty heavy lineup but to have seen that lefty know how he got you guys out last time and what adjustments you can make this time if you do see fisher on wednesday
3: Uh, yeah i think seeing him a second time is going to help us tremendously because you know he did does have a big sweeping slider and it got us a lot but i think you know now seeing it time and time again we'll be able to lay off and really just attack his fastball
0: and you guys are obviously playing some good baseball right now. The three and O weekend did what you had to do to get to the Big Ten tournament. Sweeping Iowa, some very exciting games, absolutely exciting endings. So first of all, before I get to my final question, I gotta ask you: When AJ Lee hits the ball out, you were still making the right base running play, going back to tag at second, but uh. Did you know that thing was going off the bat as you're standing out there on second base? Yeah,
3: when I when I heard that, I knew that thing was gone right off the bat. And actually, it turns out I wasn't supposed to be tagging up because even if somehow if the ball stayed in, I wasn't going to tag on it anyway. So Pap and Swope kind of told me <laughs> you can't be tagging on that ball.
0: Well, it, it it all ended up okay. You guys won the game. And now you go into this week red hot with the three big victories. The offense is, is, is clicking for you guys right now. and And I know – You guys are a team that maybe isn't looked at as one of the top teams in the Big Ten. You've got those teams like Michigan and Indiana who are playing such good baseball. But the Big Ten tournament sometimes is more about who's hot than than who has the best roster. So do you guys feel like you have a run in you to, to keep this season going in Omaha?
3: Oh, absolutely. You know, Coach Vaughn had talked about, you know, just about getting hot at the right time. And I think we're playing our best baseball of the whole year right now going into this tournament. So I'm very excited to get after it.
0: Well, Josh, thanks so much for taking some time this week to come on the podcast, and good luck in Omaha as you guys kick off the Big Ten tournament on Wednesday morning.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me. appreciate it.
0: Our thanks again to Terps freshman D.H. Josh McGuire for coming on the podcast, and Zach, we talked about it a little bit before, but Josh, such a great story, just Not playing at all, basically thinking he's going to be a redshirt. And now he's been such a big contributor for Maryland, and he's had some key hits. And he comes to the plate, and he's the DH and a left-handed hitter. And he struck out a lot this year, and he struggles against lefties sometimes. But he's still gotten some big hits. And going forward for him, it's going to be interesting because right now the Terps maybe still don't trust him defensively. He is a second baseman by trade, but he's had some struggles when they haven't played him there in a game, but, you know, in the fall scrimmages and in the spring as well. So right now, just going to be a DH. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with McGuire going forward for Maryland. Obviously, with A.J. Lee leaving, you have to think Ben Cowles will probably make the move to shortstop. And second base will be open. There's a couple of freshmen and guys coming in for Maryland that are going to make a push for that second base spot. But it'll be interesting to see if McGuire can get the defense up to at least a level where the Terps can – really think hard about starting him at second base next year because he's got the bat to start for this Terps team and he's been great for Maryland in some key moments.
2: I mean for a guy who got his opportunity because they wanted to put him out there in a blowout against Indiana he's earned his opportunities Josh McGuire is a freshman certainly embodies a guy who works hard wants to be out there and he's going to try and prove it to his coaching staff I think that three run triple that he had the other day perfectly embodies that he wants to be out there he's going to try and drive every pitch he can as far as he can to try and create opportunities for the guy's behind him and that is what you need from your freshman just a guy who wants to be out there wants to play wants to contribute he knows he didn't get a lot of
0: opportunities but he kept fighting for them he got it now he's earned his spot in this Maryland lineup yeah the Terps are going to need him they're going to need Michael Panero and they're going to need everybody to really step up this week in Omaha for the Big Ten tournament if they want to make a run and of course we all know the Terps are not in a position to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament so if they want to go to an NCA regional for the first time since 2017 They're going to have to win the whole thing and and take home the trophy for the first time ever in Omaha for the Big Ten Tournament. Of course, the first game, Wednesday morning. You can uh, have some breakfast and listen to the Maryland Baseball Network. 10 a.m. Eastern time, first pitch between the Terps and the Fighting Illini. Maryland the number six seed, Illinois the number three seed. We think it will be Hunter Parsons going for the Terps and the lefty Andy Fisher going for Illinois at TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha, Nebraska. Again, you could watch the game on the Big Ten Network, but we hope you listen to the game on the Maryland Baseball Network. Zach will have the call for you. Again, I will still be in College Park. My graduation is Thursday morning. I do want to go to that. I do also want to be out with the Terps <laughs> in Omaha as much as I can, but – Graduating college an important step in my life, so I wanted to be there for that. So Zach will have the call for you on Wednesday. If the Terps win the ball game Wednesday morning against Illinois, they will not play again until Thursday evening. That will be a 6 p.m. Eastern time start on Thursday against the winner of the Michigan-Ohio State game. If the Terps lose to the Fighting Illini, they will again play the 10 a.m. game on Thursday the very next day. So back-to-back breakfast With the Terps in that one, if they lose, they will play again. The loser of the Ohio State and Michigan game. If the Terps do win, you'll hear me on the airwaves in game number two on Thursday. If the Terps lose, they're going to have to pick up a victory in that Thursday morning game. And I'll be back with the Maryland Baseball Network on the call with Zach for game three, which would also be an elimination game for the Terps. Of course, the Big Ten tournament double elimination bracket with the eight teams there in Omaha. Zach you got to be excited your first Big Ten tournament and you're going to get to make it to Omaha before I do but hopefully by the end of the week we're both there calling a deep Terps run in Omaha. Oh I hope to see you there Connor but
2: I'm really excited for the opportunity to have to uh, call games out there following the team all year I feel I've really gotten to get to know them and, and know the other teams around the Big Ten and and how crazy it can be. I I mean, you hear all the the glory around TD Ameritrade Park out there in Omaha. I'm just excited to see not only what the Terps can do, but just the whole tournament in general.
0: So, again, that's 10 a.m. Eastern time, Wednesday morning, 9.30 a.m. for Terps pregame live on the Maryland Baseball Network. The Terps and the Illini to kick off not only the Terps run, but to kick off the entire 2019 Big Ten tournament on Wednesday morning, May the 22nd. We want to thank Michael Panero and Josh McGuire both for joining us this week on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, episode number 70 of the pod. Both were great guests and have been integral pieces to the Terps team this season. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you enjoy the Big Ten tournament this week listening on the Maryland Baseball Network again, Terps and the Illini at 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning. He's Zach Solon, I'm Connor Newcomb, and we hope you hear both of us again later this week because that means the Terps have made a little bit of a run and it's looking good for Maryland at the Big Ten Tournament. We thank you for listening to the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast.